Yeah, look, I, I see this is this is obviously a video. See the um, conversation around visuals and and um, the way I see that fitting in. It's such an important part of the overall system and 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 process of learning, and that is that it primes people. Really good video in the ways that we've discussed prime people to have deep, rich conversations that help them develop and learn in very practical and relevant ways. So I know it's without it, we wouldn't be able to do what we do as a company. Um, without, you know, the last piece of advice that I would, I would share is making sure that you manage the cognitive load of that video. So it's, it's, it's highly targeted. It's delivering bits, the right bits of information at the right time, one at a time. Uh, and, and you can't really go wrong. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are and wherever you're watching from. My name is Matt Pierce, host of The Visual Lounge, where we talk about using images and video in the workplace. Today, we're actually gonna combine video and workplace, and we're gonna talk about learning culture. If you don't know what learning culture is, hang on, we'll define it, don't worry. But can we use video in these ways to help not only just like learn, like in terms of like skill sets, like can I do click A, click B, click C, but can I do more than that? And what role does video play? What role shouldn't it play? And to do that, we've got someone who is awesome to talk with us today. Andrew has an extensive background in learning and development, serving in an executive role at global organizations like KPMG. He's the founder and CEO of Curious Lion, a company that specializes in human transformation. They focus on developing individuals and teams to their full potential using a methodology that combines adult learning principles, human psychology, and the power of questions. They've worked with companies such as PagerDuty, Pinterest, Brex, and Bolt, and now bringing their expertise to revenue teams at high-growth companies. He also hosts the Learning Culture Podcast, where he shares key learning and trends. You can connect with Andrew on LinkedIn, where he posts daily on building a learning culture. And please welcome Andrew to the Visual Lounge. Hey, Andrew. Matt, so good to be here. Well, thank, thank you for being here. We're, we're excited. So we're going we're gonna to dive in with our first three questions. The first one is, I'm curious how you got involved with starting using video. Because I, I, I know I for, for sure have attended a session that you presented on video. So what, yeah. what was the starting point of that? Yeah, wow. That was a, a while back, that, that session. Um, so that takes me back to the very beginning of when I, I got into it. Um, before I started Curious Liners about six years ago, I, I was at KPMG for about 12, 15 years. And in the interim, I, I joined a startup called Lobster Inc., who did high quality video based courses for the hospitality industry. So working with Marriott's and Hilton and Wyndham and all the big hotel brands. Um, and yeah, I, I got I got a, a real taste for it there. I'll never forget, and I think the presentation I did was based on, um, well, there were sort of two seminal works that that I that I, I sort of self taught myself. Um, one was the multimedia principles of sorry, yeah, the the multimedia. Uh, I com I'm like completely butchering this, and I'm going to have to get you both of these. <laughs> no after, worries. But it, it was it's so the the one book is Herbert Zettel and it's um it's all about uh basically film science right and that that was one of them the other one is multimedia principles for learning I think and I forget who the author was of that but uh, Mayer it's, it's Richard Mayer I think yeah. anyway I, I'll get those to you but it's it's those two books very much heavily influenced what I was doing and at Lobster 
they had an entire production team based in South Africa. And so I was working with people who had just graduated from film school. And so they told me about that Herbert Zettel book. And I mean, they were just teaching me what they had learned, you know, and, and we were we were building out some really, really cool stuff um, with video and we'd have full production crews. I never forget, we went to Anheuser-Busch down in St. Louis and spent a whole week with them filming to, to create a course. Um, so yeah, that kind of got me, got, got the bug. And, and when I started Curious Lion, we went all in on video. Awesome. Awesome. So I'm curious because you have a unique perspective now that you, where video, you went all in on video. Uh, as we talked before the show, you know, you know, you're not just doing all video now. So how for you do you s- define success when it comes to using video in what you do? Yeah, um, I think the key thing with video is is as a means to convey information uh, that you know it it's multimodal, right? So it's got the audio, it's got the visual, it's got on-screen text. There's a lot of different ways that you can convey information. On the flip side of that, there's also a lot of ways that you can overload people cognitively. Um, so it, it's a kind of a tool that you've got to use use wisely. And I'm sure we'll get into some of that. It's probably the the, the angle that I, I approach it from the most. Um, but yeah, I think as a way to convey information, which as we'll get into when we're talking about the work we do now, helps prime people for conversations and application, application-based conversation, essentially, about what they've learned in the video. So, I mean, basically what I'm saying is nothing new to anybody listening and that you know, the first time you want to learn how to do something in the quickest, shortest way possible, you go to YouTube, right? And, and, you, and you, you find a video that, that speaks to you and you, you learn that way. And then everything else that comes from that helps you kind of integrate that learning. But yeah, I think it's just still the most powerful medium for conveying that kind of information. Yeah, well, that's awesome. And I love the idea of tying it into like, you're priming somebody for something else that's coming, right? And that, that's, it might not be the end state, but it gets them along the path so that they're ready totally. for, to get to that end state. So I love that. Uh, before yeah. we get into this deeper conversation about, about learning culture and using video in that, that's, that kind of way and setting, what's one yeah. tip you would give our audience to improve uh, how they use images or videos? Yeah, I think, I think to me, it all comes back to managing cognitive load. So I have a team now that, that produces the videos, right? So everything from, um, Doing, we don't do that much live, uh, live production filming, but, you know, curating clips, curating B, B roll, uh, you know, all of that to obviously the edit, the mix, bringing in the audio, all that kind of stuff. The very first thing I look at when I'm reviewing some of these, and I don't review it that much anymore, but, but, um, occasionally will is that cognitive overload, right? Cause there's a lot of things that are going on. You know, you've got the moving picture, you've got static pictures that could go up, you've got static text, you've obviously got the audio. So there's a lot of different components to it. And I think just being cognizant of the watcher, the learner, right? What is What are they paying attention to? Knowing that probably there's only one thing that it can be, actually not even probably, definitely only one thing that can be paying attention to at a time. So that's the first thing I'm always looking for is like, oh, you know, do we have the voiceover explaining something? And then is the on-screen text in sync with that? Like, is it, you know, is it, is it emphasizing the thing that they've been saying or is it giving us something else, right? Now, mm-hmm. so, so now you got like the voiceover saying one thing and the text saying another. Both things might be true and important, but now 
you know, the, the, the learner doesn't know where to look or what to pay attention to. So that, that's probably the main thing is just kind of thinking through like almost every beat of the video um, to, to think about what is being retained, what is, what is being paid attention to, what is being retained by the learner. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I, again, I love that concept, right? Because I do think it's one of those things that it's, it's easily overlooked. If someone, you, you're just going along because you think, oh, well, I'm going to just add this bit and piece. And then also right. you've got too much going on. So yeah. Well, well, Andrew, let's, let's dive into the kind of the bulk of the conversation here because I'm fascinated by this idea because you're working with organizations, but let's go kind of that high level and start kind of defining the space that you're working in. So yeah. I mentioned learning culture for you. What is, what is it like, what should we know about what does it mean to be a learning culture? What are you talking about when you focus on that area? Yeah. Yeah. So in its simplest form, a learning culture to me is a culture of continuous learning, um, meaning people are, they see mistakes as opportunities to learn. You know, they, they, um, they see their role as, uh, I was going to say as a mentor, but even just as a peer, like peer to peer, they see their role, uh, that part of their role involves helping others learn. Um, they, they see that their team, from the team aspect, there's the team is almost this learning organism and every conversation that's happening within the team and every conversation that an individual is happening is having outside the team can be fed back into the team to, to make that team better. And obviously the individual is within it. Um, so it's, it's that sort of just attitude of con- consistently iterating, getting better, making mistakes, learning from them, improving. Um, there's a lot more to it as well. Obviously, like curiosity is a big part of it. Mutual trust, a sense of belonging. I mean, there's, there's, we have a diagnostic actually that's, we measure 40 different things on learning culture. Um, but I, I think those are the ones that, that I mentioned are kind of the, that crux. And, and everyone will know that feeling of, you know, essentially like gross mindset, right? And think of gross mindset applied by individuals and as a team collectively, where you think of it as like this, you know, learning organism. So as, as someone who, you know, I've, I've heard about the idea of learning cultures and I, I get where you're, you're coming from. If I wanted to, you know, and I know you have a whole survey and maybe this is something, if someone's really curious, they just, they just go and hire you to do this. But I'm like, what are, what are the signs? You mentioned like kind of this feedback loop a little bit, but is there anything mm-hmm. else I should be aware of to like, cause I'm, again, I'm thinking about framing our conversation as we move into the, the topic of video. Anything else yeah. you would say, like, maybe it's, maybe, maybe I take a different approach instead of saying what, what should be there. What are the noticeable things that are missing when you have yeah. an organization that's not in that state of being a learning organization? Yeah. I, I love that framing. I think that's a great way to think about it. So the, um, I, I'll, I think this is also a key component of it, but it's a great place to answer the question from, and that is to look at the leadership, right? So if the in learning culture, so I'm, almost all of it stems from the leader and the leader's attitude towards learning and development. And, um, and so those characteristics are, you know, a vulnerability to admit when they're wrong, to share doubt, to share, you know, that they're experimenting and trying because, you know, the opposite of that is just like, oh, I've got it figured out. You know, I just, I know what I'm doing. And that creates this attitude of like everyone else in the company has to have it figured out, but that's, like no one's like that, right? Like everyone's winging it and figuring it out as we go. And, um, and I think it's just sort of creating that standard of 
that's what's happening, which is not to say it's like we're all just like it's a free for all. We're trying to, you know, no one knows what we're doing, right? There's still a standard of professionalism and excellence, and it's brought out by the learning, right? It's like I'm, I, you know, so I'll give an example here. Like I shared this with my team. We just had an all hands this morning, actually. And um, I, I do an update on kind of my go to market work. Um, actually, it's sort of a combo of the vision and the go to market work. And I'm constantly sharing the, the doubts, the sort of counter arguments, the, the, the things that I'm like playing with where it, there's no like, there's no black and white here, right? There's, there's no, everything's a gray, a gray area and the world is uncertain and ambiguous and volatile. And so it's not like, I think, I think the attitude of sort of pretending like you've got it all figured out is what stops learning culture in its tracks. And, and I think that probably answers your question most directly and say, so leaders, you know, who come in there and say, I don't have it figured out yet, but here's how I am figuring it out, really set the tone for people, for everyone else to do that. So, I mean, I, I, I love that idea, right? Because I, I, I've been very blessed to work with a lot of great, great leaders who I think do that pretty well. But, yeah. you know, obviously not everyone has that. And I, I would imagine that becomes, you know, if someone's hearing this and saying like, oh yeah, my leadership doesn't do that. I'm not even sure where they would, how I'd start to encourage that. And, and I'm not looking for free yeah. consulting by any means here, but I'm curious in, in this process of, you know, identifying, you know, where an organization, because I'm, I'm guessing it's a spectrum, right? No organization has yep. everything figured out and no organization is 100% terrible. Well, maybe one or two, but, but you know, like they're, <laughs> yeah. they're on that spectrum, right? And they're, they're trying to figure out. So what advice would you give to someone who's saying like, okay, I'm, I'm a, a learning individual. That's because that's, I'm yeah. guessing a lot of our audience. How would someone go about if the kind of the leadership's a key piece, what would you suggest to someone to like, where would they start to even make inroads to affect learning culture, yeah. building a learning culture? Yeah. I, I mean, I, lo I love this question, but it's so hard to answer, right? Sure. Because sure. like, I honestly, I think the answer is, and this is not going to satisfy a lot of people. The answer is you've got to set the tone and demonstrate the behavior you want to see. Right. That, that's that, like, you have to, you have to model the behavior. Um, and yeah, so let me try and sort of help with that. Cause so I, what I would ask people, what I sort of uh, remind people is that it's, it, it has an impact. Like people see you doing that. And it doesn't, if you might think like, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not a leader in this company. Like, you know, what, what difference is that going to make? I promise you, your peers will notice. I promise you, once they start doing it, their peers notice and so on and so forth. And it starts to become an ideal, like an aspiration, people, right? So, 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 you know, somewhat unsatisfactory answer. It starts at the individual. Um, but what to look out for to make that, make that real is I've written this post and I'll, I can send you the link to share in the show notes, um, called the four horsemen of the work culture apocalypse. And, it, what I talk about in there, how like there are four things basically that, that stop people from having this growth mindset. Um, it's, uh, defensiveness. Um, so, you know, I, I know what I, you know, I'm right, you're wrong, you mm -hmm. know, that kind of thing. The blame game, which is, uh, you know, this mistake that I made, it wasn't my fault. It was because this happened or that person did that or the markets, you know, is how it is. Right. So the, that, the, that whole idea. Um, then the, oh God, I'm actually forgetting one of them, but that's okay. Cause I'm going to go, the fourth one is, is, is the, the one that sort of ties it together. 
And that is that the interconnection between working and learning. And a lot of, a lot of companies that we've seen and we've worked with in the past, they see those as two separate things. Like you, you work and then you learn. So you're going to go to a training or watch some videos or whatever, and that's your learning. You've done it, and then you go back to work. And I just think that's completely wrong. You know, working and learning are the same thing. Like if you're not doing something, you can't really be learning. So it's not just passive consumption. And if you're not, if you're not reflecting on what you're doing, you know, and, and actually putting, and then going to find the, the, the source, like a video or whatever that can help you do that thing better, you know, so you've got to connect those two things. Um, and so, yeah, and I forget what the third, the fourth one was, but, but you know, the, if you if you can find those those signs that that are there, right? Defensiveness, people blaming things outside themselves, um, and this sort of disconnect between learning and working, and actually start to do the opposite to model the behavior of the opposite of those things, real change can happen. Uh, you know, and, and it's it sounds trite, but like you know, change starts starts from within. Well, I, I, no, I, I really appreciate that. And I, and I get like, we'll never satisfy everybody's uh, what, what they really want. But I, I, I like that because obviously in any organization, I mean, and we're not here to talk about organizational management and all this stuff, but there's managing up, right? Like, but I, mm-hmm. but I, I like that answer because I do think I've seen that in my peers, right? I've seen when they've, they've taken on certain characteristics or tried to do certain things. And that, that did have an impact on me on the way I approached a, a problem or I approached a failure or uncertainty, because there's lots of that. And so I, I can really appreciate that um, as an answer. And I love, I, I, I look forward to getting the, the blog post because I want, one, I want to yeah. read it, but two, I'm happy to, to share that out because I think that's got some really interesting ideas and even things I'm thinking about with the teams that I work with, like today, it's, it seems very practical and applicable. Yeah. So one, one thing, yeah, Matt, go ahead. can I, I can just add to that as well, is because I realize a lot of people here are maybe responsible for the learning of others, a lot of, a lot of listeners. Um, yeah. One thing I'd say to that is, is, um, yeah, so you're starting with modeling the behavior yourself, but the next thing you can do when you do have that responsibility for, for the learning of others is, is make the implicit explicit. That's a huge, there's in fact a whole model for this, uh, which um, I've also written about, but it's this idea of um, how do you, how do you transfer implicit knowledge, right? The this things that we've been talking about, about um, seeing, let's just use one example, seeing mistakes as opportunities. That's not something like an explicit thing you could, I mean, you can read that and understand it, but to really make it implicit, you've kind of got to see it in action, right? And to be able to see it in action, what is helpful is having someone call it out for you. And so everybody, anybody listening who is responsible for the learning of others is you be that person that calls out the good behavior, right? Making the implicit explicit. Because so it's happening out there and just finding ways to, to say, hey, we do a lot of this with, 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 our, te- with our, com- our clients where we'll go and find win stories or we do, we do a lot of like internal interviews and we sort of create these little podcast snippets or videos or just different pieces of content that highlight what someone has done well, that's impacted a customer, impacted the community, impacted a colleague. And, and we share that with people because the more they hear these things, the more they like get the, the implicit thing that's happening, right? Because they're seeing it now in sort of a more explicit way. And then that, the, the cycle is that that turns it into an implicit 
knowledge in the receiver, right? So um, hopefully that was a, a clear enough way to describe how anybody listening who's responsible for this can actually go about just call out the, the behavior that you, that you want to see, the behavior that evidences growth mindset and shine a light on it, you know, let, let others see it. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's fantastic because I do think there's real power in that. And it does sound like that one of the, I mean, look, we're a show about talking about, we talk about images and videos. It does sound like one of the ways that you can do that though, that is yeah. one of the use cases here, right? Is, is taking these implicit examples, things that are happening that maybe, you know, quietly and, and yeah. shining that light on. So I, I, I do want to transition to kind of this practical conversation, Andrew, is like when you're transform help, and I know it's not you transforming, but you're working with these organizations to transform that the, the kind of to this learning culture uh, obviously got what we just talked about. Are there other ways you're finding that video is impactful in the work that you're doing or that these organizations are doing as they make that change to become more learning focused? Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of sort of practical use cases for video. What, one thing I'll say is right at the beginning, I started Curious Line thinking that we would be almost all video, all like high production, live action, you know, character-based video. And actually, I'll never forget, like I, I created this uh, sort of sizzle reel right, of like three or four videos we were doing. I, I did it on, um, uh, it was like compliance, like banking compliance stuff. I thought we were going to be, I uh, come from a financial services background. So that was kind of the initial idea of clients. And I, I did like, I took a whole like investment, I made a whole investment in this video, right? These four videos, got a true, hired a, a production team. We got some actors in, you know, this is all done downtown New York. And I don't think I ever, like, I don't think anybody ever saw those videos. Like it was, it was so like overdone. Um, and what I realized in like the initial customer discovery conversations I was having is that people weren't looking for that. Like right off the bat, it was too much. You know what I mean? And now I'm not saying that that's not a good thing to do somewhere down the line. Where I, where I think the, the, the sort of inside tip here is to start simple, right? To start, um, like I think I mentioned, you know, curating content, um, using B-roll, doing animation, um, and just, you know, honestly recording like we're recording, you know, through, through, through like Zoom or video or whatever it is. Um, and some practical examples where we've really seen, we do this now pretty much for every client is we'll have like welcome videos. Right. So that's done with, with senior leadership, um, getting them in front of a camera and getting them to talk authentically about why the, the training program or, you know, this, this development path that people are on is important, why the leadership is investing in it, how it aligns to the company's vision and values, you know, that, that kind of thing. And doing like a really like, you know, quick hit 30, 60 second video with the leader where they need a bit of coaching, right? Not, like, I found a lot, a lot of them are, are that good at talking on camera, doing it authentically. So we'll get in a room with them like you and I are doing right now and we'll coach them, you know, and just, we're just looking for that soundbite, you know, that 60 second, really from the heart delivery of why this is happening and how much the, the people of the company beats them. So that's one, a good example. And, and that doesn't have to be fancy. Like I said, you just get Riverside or even on a Zoom call and, um, and you'll be able to record that stuff. The other cool one we do is we, you know, we, we do a lot of all our work is, is, you know, asynchronous content, which some of it includes videos and animated videos and audiograms and that. 
And there's always a live session component and there's reflection with workbooks and that in the middle. And in those live sessions, it's application, right? It's like discussion. It's, you know, facilitator led usually by the clients. We, we do train the trainers for them. Um, but our team is there. Uh, and if they're not, they always record it. Okay. So now we're getting one client. We just finished off now. It's a nine month project. And each month was, you know, some content, a workbook, and then a live session. So we had nine of these live sessions. And what I'd say to people listening is that content is so, so valuable. You're sitting on a gold mine on stuff there that you can use to augment the value you've added to, to your, your learners, right? Your customers in our case. And what my team did, and I didn't actually, this was great because I didn't actually even come up with the idea. I didn't even know it was happening. As they just took all like the B-roll basically from these nine, you know, sessions that had happened. And they produced a 60 second again highlights video, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of like a bit of a tearjerker of, of that nine month journey that people had come on. And it was full of sound bites of people, you know, so just pop to one Zoom call and someone say something, a little, you know, punchy sound bite that, and it was obviously done to music and it had, you know, images from the company and from their training and stuff. It was really, really cool. And we sent it to the client and they, they like express that emotion. They were like, that was, that was kind of a tearjerker. Like that, you know, that, that sort of brought back all the memories and it gave them a chance to reflect back on what they'd done, which from a learning perspective, by the way, is so, so important, right? It gained, it makes it explicit. So instead of just like, oh, we, we got together for nine Zoom calls, it, it's drawing out these sort of revelations and insights that people had. And it, it makes them explicit. People are like, oh, wow. You know, we actually, we covered a lot of ground. You know, we learned a lot of things. We connected with each other and, and all the great things that happened from, you know, cohort-based learning. And uh, yeah, and it's sort of there memorialized in this little 60-second clip. Um, yeah, so that, those are two those are two cool things we do on uh, pretty much every client. Oh, that's that's fantastic. And I, I, I love the piece that gives reflection, right? Because I think that's one thing I see, and just training in general, learning opportunities, even, I mean, even lots of other situations is, you get out of something and it's kind of like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. I walk away, right? Like, okay. And, and maybe I'm changed. Maybe I'm not, but I, I love that you're right. thinking about this, like your, or your, I should say your team's thinking about this, like, okay, how do we help right. encapsulate the, the ideas? Um, yeah. So, so one of the things you mentioned, I want to, I want to come back to is that you, you talked about like, obviously there's some coaching, senior leadership, you know, they're not all camera ready and all ready to be interviewed. Makes sense. Like, yeah. I don't, most, a lot of us are not. Uh, you know, they don't spend an hour, a week or two uh, doing, on, doing. doing podcasts <laughs> and doing readings and things like yeah. that. Right. So from, yeah. you also kind of talked about like your early days of like, you know, going high end, trying to bring in actors. What, mm-hmm. what is the kind of a minimal level of quality? And obviously quality differs for people. You know, it's hard to define like, oh, is that quality? Is it not quality? But I'm thinking kind of from our production quality, what, what's like, yeah. what's the need? I mean, you mentioned like Zoom, it can be low quality. Any other kind of like advice? Because I think one thing I see, and uh, it was just yeah. actually in a webinar this week, uh, we were talking about one take videos, which is a little different, but the biggest barrier people said was perfectionism. They're like, ah, oh, I don't want anybody yeah. to see anything that doesn't look perfect or doesn't, isn't well exactly said. So advice you'd give to people about like kind of what quality level or how to get over that fear of like, yeah. good enough. It's not good enough. Yeah. I, I want to, I want to flip this question back to you once I've had a stab at it. Cause I'd actually love to hear your take. You, you know, a lot more about this than I do. 
my my take on this is that so 100% what you're saying it's like it doesn't have to be perfect it doesn't have to be uh you know completely polished i went through this actually my myself we i do have a youtube channel we haven't done a lot with it recently but i was quite active last year and it was a lot of work cuz you're also dealing with this you're competing against all the other content that's on there right and so these people with millions of subscriber channels are putting out like you know Netflix quality content, right? Um, I I think the way I've kind of, I've sort of landed on it, I, I'm not gonna. That's we're not like that's a whole company, right? Like that's a whole like I'm not gonna build a production team that's gonna be capable of doing that kind of stuff. I think my production team is capable of doing a pretty good standard. Um, I, are you more than good? Uh, it you know. It, it's not world class, but it's like it's great. It sort of hits that that mark of. Um, pa- I think the thing to me is like it's possible. It passes the eye test. You know, it's not it's not like super janky. And um, again, like so much of this is also just about the editing and the way it's done with the audio and like just the, the, the feel, right? The sort of whole package of it. And then I say, as long as you like check that as a sort of threshold, like it feels possible, you know, decent, whatever, like that that, that mark, then it's about the content. And if the content like that, there's no negotiable. Like the content has to deliver, right? It has to, it has to, like you were saying earlier, right? You've got to kind of hook people in um, and you've got to get their attention. And then you've got to deliver on that. You know, like you, people get pissed off if you don't, you don't do that, right? So you, you've got to deliver on it. You've got to deliver high value content. It's got to be sort of tactical, practical, useful, um, teach people something, right? Make them think about something differently. And and I think as long as you're doing that, you don't have to be a sort of Netflix or you know million subscriber YouTube channel level. You can you can get by with that that level. That's like it's familiar, right? It's like it's like okay, I can you know it doesn't feel jarring. There's no sort of like cognitive dissonance. It's just it feels familiar, and the content's really good. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep coming back to that. Yeah, so I I think it's interesting here because um. I, I completely agree, right? Like there's a passable standard. I think content always matters. It's got to be yeah. good content. I think the other thing that I would add to what you said is that it really depends on your audience. Like what what is good enough depends on who's yeah. going to watch it. Because I would imagine, and and you know, you can you can correct me if if your experiences are different, but I would imagine if I'm talking to senior leadership who have certain expectations about things, maybe it's maybe I'm adjusting up the quality or or maybe they're they're really open growth mindset and they're like, yep, I just want the information. I don't really care if it it's polished. Like, just give it to yeah. me. I'll digest it, right? So I think understanding your audience is really critical and what their tolerance is. Now, there's there's always things I say, like, you never compromise on audio. You want your, like, yeah. that's, I mean, that's a, just a table stakes. You want decent audio. Um, camera quality, obviously, you know, helps be good, but it shouldn't yeah. come at a cost of like doing other things. So. But right. but I think you're right. The the content really is what matters. Um, even on YouTube, uh, yes, there are people with millions of subscribers, and they have obviously a huge reach, and they built up this this experience. But one thing that, and we've talked to several of them on this show, even is that they'll tell you that like that was not an overnight thing. They've been working at yeah. it for 10, 12 years. So um, yeah. progr- progressive growth here. Um, but yeah, I think it it depends because I know. And I'll take a very practical example. Uh, you know, if I want to, uh, like I had a car problem, right? And I needed to figure mm. out how to fix that car problem. Yeah. I really don't care if it's 
I mean, it's got to be good enough, but if it's not right. the best production, but it gives me my answer, yeah, then I'm happy. The, the thing I think what we probably where I think as learning professionals or professionals in general, I think where we, we miss out sometimes is that that preparatory context to really let mm. people know, like, this is what you're going to get out of it. This is the value to you. And on YouTube, yeah. a how-to video on how to fix this problem with a car, it's self-explanatory value. I will okay. be able to do that thing. And when I can't, well, yeah. again, I'm going to switch to something else or be angry or whatever. Yeah. But I think I would imagine right. in, I imagine in organizations, it's a lot harder to do that because we're not used to yeah. having to say to people, oh, well, here's what you're going to take away from this. Here's the promise that we're making yeah. with this content that we we're we're still sometimes shooting in the dark still. Like we, we, we this is what you're going to get, but until it's well vetted and tested, it might be harder to know. Yeah. I think that's just such an important point. Like you've got to, you've got to get charity on that upfront. Like what is the promise you're making? And then how are you going to deliver on that promise? Right. So that you, you do. Um, and then, and then the other thing I'd say also in the context of uh, an organization is just to make it feel familiar. I think what one thing we do well is, is every video we make for one of one, you know, one of our clients looks and feels like something they are familiar with. Right. Whereas for another client, it'll look and feel totally different but obviously familiar to them. Um, and so I think that your, your key point for me is just know your audience, like really, really get to know them. Um, and, and like, I love that what you said about, you know, if it's, if it's in leadership, yeah, maybe, you know, the promise and the, and the content might be the same, but you're adding a bit more polish. Um, and, you know, so you, you're adjusting as you go. The other cool thing, Matt, is, is the, this is so much more possible these days, right? I remember like, yeah. I don't even have to hire a film crew anymore, right? I can like, get a decent camera here, set it up. Like it's a bit of a pain to be fair, but I could do that. I can get the raw footage. I can send it, upload it to the cloud and my team who are mostly in South Africa can, can work on it, edit it in the cloud. You know, we can give each other feedback through that. It's like, so, I'm just, even in six years, it's like so much easier to do high quality video. Yeah. I mean, even, even a smartphone, right? Like you could do a lot of great yeah. things, good enough quality uh, without having to, yeah go out and buy a camera. I mean, there's certain things you want to, you would want to set up, but for sure. So true. I want to, I want to get to our speed run, but before we do that real quick, uh, Andrew, as, as you're looking out kind of across your purview of the world and the things that you're doing, um, I guess any advice you would give kind of, kind of thoughts here on, you know, you mentioned the growth mindset, particularly, you know, obviously I, I'm a big fan of using video, but from a growth mindset perspective, what, what one piece of advice would you give to people? Because I feel like what you're talking about culture stuff, there's this parallel to like, oh, I'm learning how to use video in my organization. There's got to be a growth mindset there because look, your first video is going to suck. Your 10th video is probably not going to be that great either, but it's going to get, you know, unless you're professional, you've been trained for it. But so what, what advice would you give someone to be more open to a growth mindset? Yeah. Um, there's so many here. I think the one that's sort of most alive for me right now, because I've been thinking about this a lot for myself in the context of my team, is I read this this part of it, and and it's I'll sort of expand it a bit. It's, the idea is, you know, you can only take people as far as you've been, hmm. right? And if you think of, I think I'm sort of thinking about. It, I I have a team of people, and so for me, I'm setting i see myself setting a standard for them to um you know a vision a you know way of doing things um and that they now can take on their own right which is amazing and like the example i shared earlier like they're coming up with stuff i never even thought of 
Um, but it, it started right at the beginning with me having to tell people everything, right? And um, in the early days. But so, so yeah, so I think seeing that and like you can only take people as far as, as you've been. What I'm now very aware of is that I, there's, there's never an end to my learning. There's always something more I can learn. There's always something, some way further I can go, which then helps me bring everyone else along with me. Um, and, and I'd say as well to anybody who, who may be listening and doesn't have a team that, that look that, you know, that they're responsible for or anything yet, um, is your colleagues, like everyone around you will feed off of that, right? So you can only take people as far as you've been. That applies to everybody in your, by the way, in your work life and your real life as well, right? You're, I, I like to th try and think of those as, as much as possible as similar, but yeah, in your home life as well, it's like, thinking about that growth mindset thing and just the the almost gift that you're giving other people by learning new things and sharing them with them is, is I think, another way to kind of stoke motivation for this. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm thinking about that. The, the thing that occurs to me is that, like, because I, I manage some people at TechSmith and a team, and yes, I absolutely believe what you're saying. I can only take them as far as I've been. But the thing I'm I'm learning more and more and being much, I, I feel like I'm trying to be more open to is they have their yeah. own path, right? They have their things. They have played, they've yeah. gone places I have not. And they, like, I'm I am so impressed with my, like, I like my team a lot. And they bring yeah. me, they, they move me forward because they've been there. They know. And so I, I, I like that, that notion though, like together we grow, right? And it's not just yeah. my ideas or their ideas. It's us together. Uh, encompassing that that growth. I'm so glad you actually brought that into it because yeah, like once you start to do these things, you set the team up and those around you up to teach you. And, yeah, so it's it's this really it's a flywheel. And I I this is I talk about this all the time. A flywheel, like that's the flywheel is you teaching someone something. They now uh, feel empowered. They go and learn new things, or they also realize that some of these things that they knew that they didn't think were relevant actually are relevant and they start to teach you something and you learn. So yeah, just the power of dialogue, you know, as a way to kind of bring people together and share learnings. And so it's so, so important in organization. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Andrew, we're going to move on to the next portion of our interview, what we like to call the speed round. These are quick questions with quick answers. Cool. No, no, no need to be one word or anything, but we do it in a special way. So we're going to go jump into our speed round here in just a second. All right, Andrew. So I said there's a special way we do this. We're going to bring up our dice cam here. So we've got uh, that one already okay. kind of rolled in there. I just got to take that one out. So we're going to roll our die here and see what question we're going to ask you. The first question ew, is a number three. So let's look at that here. Okay. okay. Great. I love this question. What's one thing you're the most proud of in your career? So you've, you've done a lot of things, tried a lot of things, grown, I'm sure, a lot in the years that you've worked in. What's, what's something you're most proud of? Uh, it's definitely the team, you know, going back to the way you described yours, it just, we had all hands this morning. I, I've shared a little bit about where I'm thinking and, and they, you know, it's just amazing. Like they come up with these, they had this thing beginning before all hands. I wasn't part of it. I had some other meetings, but they organized, someone on the team organized this thing called cake day. And, and it's like, now it's thing. It's because someone a couple of weeks ago said they have best thing in the world would be if they had a day that was to celebrate cake you know so <laughs> so now it's like a thing and it's 
it's just one example of just the uh, the innovation and the sort of I want to say, um, I mean, it's initiative, like just taking the initiative to sit, to create habits, routines, and rituals that that make our team what it is. So yeah, and it wasn't a short answer, but it's my team. Yeah, I, well, I I love that great answer. So let's go on to our next question. Here comes the die roll once again. All right. Ooh, a 12. This is a, a, a rarity. We don't get a lot of 12 roll right. on the show. So what's your one go-to tool that helps you get your job done on a regular basis? This could be software, a piece of physical gear. We're not defining tool in general, but what's the one tool that you go to? It's like, I could not do my job without this. Yeah, probably Notion. Um, we run our entire company through Notion. So everything from our OKRs to the projects that support them to the tasks that support those, all our resources, meetings, everything is in there. Um, so yeah, it, it probably wouldn't be able to run the business and I wouldn't be able to, to be productive in my role leading the company without Notion. Well, it's a good answer because I am a fan. And I noticed when you sent me all your right. stuff, I'm like, I was in there like, oh, he uses Notion. This is exciting. <laughs> And I love that feeling, right? When someone sends you a Notion document, you're like, yes, this person's a Notion, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a great tool for anyone who's looking for ways to get organized. In fact, all my show notes today and a question notes, my run of show is all in Notion right here in front of me. Nice. So uh, definitely use it. We'll get to our last question here. It looks like, oh, it just rolled off a little bit. It is a nine. You can see by the oh, doc. my favorite there. number. Okay. Ooh. This is a good one. So, Andrew, is there a question you wish I would have asked you, but I didn't? Um, oh, man. Uh, that's just an open, an open one. Um, yeah, I guess. Um, I, I don't know. I'm kind of stumped. Like, you ask such good questions. I don't really. That's either, okay. Yeah. I, I, I did my job then. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, you nailed it. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for being with me today. I, you've got so much to offer. Uh, obviously, we want to link to a couple things in the show notes from you, but where where else should people, if they want to connect with you or learn more from you, where should they go? Yeah, so definitely LinkedIn would be first port of call. So all um, my my like latest, newest stuff goes on there. So if you go to linkedin.com forward slash total enablement, I'm sure Matt will have the, the link in the in the show notes. Um, the other one, Matt, is our newsletter. If you go to curiouslionlearning.com forward slash newsletter, sign up for that. It's where I go a little bit deeper into the stuff that I post on LinkedIn. And yeah, it's new content every single week. It's sort of a wrap up of all our other stuff. So you'll link out to the podcast and other articles we've written. Um, yeah, I would definitely say those two things. Perfect. Well, well, everyone, make sure you go check out that stuff. Go get the newsletter. I know. It's on my list of things to do now because I definitely want to keep learning more about this. Uh, yeah. Andrew, as we, as we wrap up the show with you today, we like to ask people for that kind of that, that final take. So Andrew, what is your final take today? Yeah, look, I, I see this is, this is obviously a video. This is obviously a, a, a um, conversation around visuals and, and um, the way I see that fitting in, it's such an important part of the overall system and, 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 process of learning and that is that it primes people really good video in the ways that we've discussed prime people to have deep rich conversations that help them develop and learn in very practical and relevant ways 
So I know it's without it, we wouldn't be able to do what we do as a company. Um, without, you know, the last piece of advice that I would, I would share is making sure that you manage the cognitive load of that video. So it's, it's, it's highly targeted. It's delivering bits, the right bits of information at the right time, one at a time. Uh, and, and you can't really go wrong. So, yeah. All right. Well, Andrew, thank you so much once again for being with me here in the Visual Lounge. Thank you, Matt. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks. All right, everybody, go check out Andrew's newsletter. Go find him on LinkedIn. Go subscribe to all of his stuff because it's great information. If you're interested in helping your organization become a learning organization, he's someone you can also work with. But first and foremost, I, I love having guests like this because it opens my mind to the thoughts of like, think about all the interesting ideas I learned today. And hopefully you learn too about ways that you might use video to enhance these other critical job functions, things that you're already probably trying to do or want to do. And that's the goal is like just to help you explore and expand kind of the growth mindset about using video and images in the workplace because there are so many opportunities and we know it comes with work, it comes with cost, but it's always something that's really great to think about. Like, can we take our, our work to the next level because we're using these, these awesome pieces of media to help us in doing that. With that said, of course, we always like it if you subscribe to our stuff as well. So if you're on YouTube, make sure you hit like, subscribe. That gives us a chance for people in the YouTube space to find us and learn more about what we're doing and talking about. If you're in the podcast space, here's here's a an ask. Would you go and just subscribe or get, leave a rating or review, especially on Apple Podcasts or Spotify? That helps us. Again, we want others to find out. Go share this episode. If you found it meaningful, share it with a colleague, share it with someone, because again, we want to spread the good word about using visuals and images in the workplace, and we need your help to do that. And of course, our goal here is to help make you a little bit better, help you learn, and we hope you take a little time to level up every single day. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.